Welcome to the New Habits Podcast, where executives and MVPs from Microsoft Partners discuss the Microsoft Teams application and its use in enterprises. Hello, everybody, and welcome to October's New Habits Podcast. I'm joined by my regular panel, Paul Schaeflein, Victor Velen, and Wes Hackett. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. <laughs> and this week, we have a guest joining us, Colin Shedden, who's the Enterprise Architect at Lower Thames Crossing Project and other projects, which we will get on to in due course during this call. Hi, Colin. Welcome. Thank you, Susie. Um, kick us off. Tell us about the project. What is the Lower Thames Crossing Project? Okay, so uh, Lower Thames Crossing is um, a project for Highways England. It is Highways England's largest, um, or the UK's largest road building project since the M25. It is connecting Essex with Kent from the M25 under the Thames through to the A2 in Kent. Um, it is, will be eventually a dual bore um, tunnel um, which will be about three stories high so about 16 meters in diameter it'll be the third world's third largest tunnel um, due to open in the end of 2027 we are currently in our development phase and getting everything sorted including planning permission um, and sort of doing the procurement and funding for the project we can't get away from this story at the moment, can we? You've just had a Microsoft video case study published. Um, why is that? What have you done to support this project that Microsoft is so interested? Okay, so we've looked at how we can use the Office 365 platform and now Microsoft 365 platform and taking it across the entire enterprise because we take what is formerly four different companies. So we have the client in Highways England, we have Jacobs, we have Arcadis and we have Covey of which about 700 people in total. We can then allow, give ourselves a collaborative space, a shared workspace, which is our Office 365 tenancy supported with Azure, Dynamics for uh, sort of our stakeholder management system. And that gives us a, a very competitive and a very collaborative and efficient way of working. Um, and we've worked with Microsoft and add in 365 to make that system very compelling for our users and also um, an easy place to collaborate and get work done because previously these projects kind of they, they spent a lot of time creating over a million documents which is really tough um, to collaborate on that and to turn that into an efficient way of working is, is really quite hard. So why not just do this all on say Arcadis's tenant or one of your other um, one of the other parties involved in uh, in the project because most of them are on Office 365, aren't they? Yes, um, and that does uh, sort of set up some quite interesting arguments with the uh, with the sort of the executives of those companies when they say, "But we've already got it." Well, it turns out that actually, if you're wanting four companies to actually collaborate efficiently, you need to have a shared workspace. There's no ownership there of the data. You also want to make it so that because of these ways projects work, you will actually offboard certain companies and onboard others as the life cycle of the project goes through. Um, these projects typically last between 10 and 15 years when they go through options all the way to delivery and operations. And eventually, we are currently 700 staff. But eventually during delivery, we'll hit around 4,000 staff, which is actually the size of Highways England as a company. But we'll only be that for three years. And then we will all roll off and disappear and run away to do other projects. So 
these these tenants need to be sort of very scalable. Um, you don't want to put all the sort of the management of those tenants onto a specific company because it's a major risk that way. Um, as we know, most IT companies, oh sorry, IT uh, departments aren't staffed to even manage the their their own teams, no matter what the others are doing. So. You know, to, to have that ability to, to scale and do what we need, what the project needs, not what an enterprise IT person wants. Um, these projects run very, very fast um, and you can't really get in the way of them because if... So it sounds, so it sounds like the um, requirement to centralize IP and to scale up and down in a quite a low risk way was the driver for having... Uh, one tenant with all those parties working on it. Um, tell me about the wider business needs because um, you've talked about collaboration, you've talked about the workforce expanding and contracting. Um, what, what else? I mean, what, what kind of an experience have you actually de- set out to deliver for them or did you set out to deliver for them um, when you kicked the project off? So there was there was um, a few main drivers, but one of them was um, identity. So to be able to have a lower Thames Crossing identity that allows us to actually be a company and people can drive and you can have a one team ethic. Otherwise, if you're not doing that as part of a uh, sort of in, in this kind of way, you are oh, I work for so-and-so or I work for somebody else. Whereas people who come here, they work for Lower Thames Crossing. They're here four or five days a week. Um, so that identity is a key driver and a key key part of who we are. Um, it also helps us manage and respond to our stakeholders because we're not seen as Arcadis, as Covey, as Jacobs. We are seen as the Lower Thames Crossing. So when we're talking to people out there in the, who, who have property near where we're going to be building or we're, we're currently drilling up their land looking so doing sort of land sensing or the sort of ground investigations it's really important that we we are alongside highways england and we are lower thames crossing because that way people have more confidence in what we're saying and that was sort of part of the driving force was to say that we can do this better we can stop sharing platforms we can start being what we are which is actually quite a large company and we can build and do things efficiently and bring everybody with us in that in that way and not allow people to to run away off the project with information they shouldn't otherwise have so my esteemed panel what do you make of uh, colin's decision to have one tenant for this project how does this compare to the other construction projects you guys have been involved with um because i know certainly ways you've done at least four other major construction company projects so I think, <clears throat> I think I'm slightly biased on this one because working so closely with Colin on the implementation, you know, during the decision-making process. But I guess sharing some of the decision-making thinking is probably worthwhile. So, so we looked at we looked at the, the different options around, you know, getting people to be guests and cross the tenancies and. You know who owns which data, which disciplines go into which tenancy, and the, the the biggest issue really is it's so confusing for the employee. Like you don't you don't know where you want to go to do things, so you end up spinning up four copies of the same stuff. You end up having 
as Colin said, you know, millions of documents to collate and bring together, but you don't necessarily have a single view of all of those. So in this particular instance, it, it, it really made sense to bring everybody to the same place, even if that was a new place, because it was one single message that was then tailored to the particular operating companies that are part of that joint venture. You know, how somebody with one primary business laptop connects to the environment versus how another agency within the, the joint venture connects. That's a very subtle difference, but the point is they're both connecting to the same place. When they're in there and they're working, it, it's a similar experience. The onboarding is a lot easier. The security measures that, 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 that are in place are a lot simpler to manage. And you can be confident that, you know, doing discovery requests and doing, you know, I know we've got, because of the type of project, it's it, it's got a lot of protection measures in place around, you know, data loss and, and, egress, and ingress of content so that it's monitored as a proper um, proper data flow. So it just, it just makes life a lot easier. And really, it kind of, it hopped, in my mind, back to the concept Yammer had. And I Victor's just taken a swig of coffee. I thought I'd throw that one in while he was drinking. But, 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 you know, external networks in their concept for me was always a great idea. It was, you know, we have a prime, you know, homed network that's associated to our internal business. But then we have a joint area where everybody has the same parity of capability for the external parties to come to us and work with us. And it's, and it's almost like guest access has, has given us so much but until they get first and guest at exactly the same parity and that you could really say, well, this guest user just can't do these things because we decide they can't do these things rather than the service doesn't support them. Bringing everybody into the same tenant in this particular instance means that the lower Thames crossing is a project, is a company, is one thing. When that gets retired, the entirety of that content is in one place and can be retired as such. So Colin and I working through the, the, tiny detail of this over the over the last two years has been quite interesting because obviously it's been like setting up a brand new business we started with an empty office that got desks in it that had wi-fi <laughs> put in and, and it built up layer upon layer and 365 coming in right at the beginning was was quite helpful in that whole process so i'm curious here uh, just you said that your yeah the project is going or you, you will start launching or the open the, the roads in 2027 this is a project that will go on for 15 20 50 100 years and you have to save the documentation for that long i guess and and also going back to the the one tenant kind of th kind of thing i've seen similar big constructions here in sweden they opt in for one tenant and share that uh, between those and i think it makes sense if you look into that long historical perspective that when but you need to preserve this for for that long so uh, there's no i i would say that's no good option in placing it at, at one specific part party because you don't never know what happens with them in 10 or 15 years time um but but i'm really curious how do you manage the the content management uh so to say over that what are your plans for actually if you just take a look at the the, the microscope here of 15 years uh, uh the evergreen Kind of scale uh 365 has been out for a few years now what would have happened in 15 years how do you actually thinking on preserving the, the conversations the documentations the workflows the actions everything that's using within the microsoft 365 platform for, for that long-term scale so 
we look at this as um, sort of across some of the, not just ourselves, but also some of the other projects that Highways England are running, because we are one of five projects that are currently on the on the road um, to being uh, sort of built. Um, and across that, we're looking at how, and working with Highways England, because this is all part of Highways England's enterprise agreement. So ultimately, they actually have the, the top of the tree when it comes to, to, to these tenancies. The projects manage them on a day-to-day basis, but they will eventually inherit them, and we're working mm. out how we can do that. So we have that in two or three different ways. We have, we have the actual um, sort of approved data and documents that have gone through assurance and been quality assured and are submitted to Highways England as part of the production schedule for the for the road and the and the project. Now those are one type and they're submitted so they're done they're in um, the, the document control system the other other stuff that we're talking about is all the affiliated data some, some of that's GIS some of it's the the building information data and the CAD data and then all the workflows and everything else now <laughs> to be perfectly honest, we don't know what Highways England are going to want to do with that. Um, and at the moment, they don't know either. So by having it in a tenant where it is all together, um, then it allows us to actually be able to work with that with them so they can see it. Um and we can all work together to make sure they get the data at the end that they need. Um, it is a collaborative environment, and it was what I would call a tier one collaboration system. All the other systems that are there for what everybody calls collaboration – aren't collaboration they're, they're pretty horrific um so that is one of the sort of the key drivers of us being able to move quickly give the project the capabilities they need and save the data and we'll work out at some point in the future what we need um we don't have to do that right now um it's all stayed for, saved for <laughs> it's all saved for posterity I just wanted to say that kind of echoes the talk we've had in previous episodes of the podcast around we want to get a low friction and air, uh, environment for users to get their job done. Well, I, was spend, I don't want to spend 17 years planning what I'm going to do for data in two years. Right? Let's do the work for two years and figure out how to save it for 17 years. So I'm glad to see that that approach is working well for you. So – to put that in context, if I look at the, one of the other projects, the A14, that's due to finish in the next year. That's been going for a few years. Now, they adopted Office 365 a little bit later. They haven't done a lot of the collaboration stuff on there. But even just a project that's a few years behind ours, they've got a cabin on site that is there to put all their paper records in because they weren't they didn't do digital. It wasn't part of their plan when they originally did it. So to move from the point where, and now they're looking at hard drives to store all the data, and we're talking about putting it in Azure data storage so that they can be transferred straight into Highways England. So that's the kind of transmission that we're moving towards, that it doesn't matter where it is or what it is, we can still manage it, and we don't have to go through hard drives or printing it all onto paper, which other projects of a similar size have had to do. So, Colin, um, Adin365 started working with you, I think, in September 2017, which is almost uh, two years exactly. And and when that program started, there were sort of two tracks to it. One was focused on the internal communications and the other part was around collaboration and the productivity of the individuals um, on the project. Uh, And as part of that, we look to uh, work with you and, and roll out Microsoft. Um, So can you tell me a little bit uh, about that program? So um, fresh tenant, people from four different companies uh, needing to work on that. How did you 
how did you kick things off? What did you do? When we spoke back in middle of 2017, um, I was looking at a problem whereby the vast majority of people on the project weren't big um, collaborative users. We have construction sector, which isn't particularly a collaborative uh, sector. Um, they're very much quite transactional. Um, so we did. We what we needed to do was a lot of um, work, which is changing the culture. So. One of these projects will generate about a million documents in its development phase. And what that means for us is that if we can't collaborate effectively and use the tools like Office that are inside Office 365 and Microsoft Teams, which was very much in its infancy at that point, um, that would have been very difficult for us. And in the time that we were speaking and organizing, Teams went from a sorry, what's Teams, to a, to an absolute imperative. And it became the heart of our installation. So that work that we did with you, with Add-in 365, to actually define what collaboration is, how we want to roll it out, how we want to keep people engaged, how we want to onboard people, um, was absolutely crucial to how we ended up doing the rollout. The internal comms, the intranet site, um, work hub, making things accessible and bringing tools to the users was great, but actually getting people collaborative and to change the culture of the project was absolutely insane. Um, and we got there. And we got there to such a point that um, about nine months after we'd done that rollout, I was sat in the boardroom with the senior leadership team of the project, and they were co-authoring a PowerPoint together. The MD had sent out one of the guys because he'd come in without his laptop. There were no admin people there. We're not talking about PAs or the, the um, project managers or the APMs. It was just the leadership editing their own PowerPoint. And for that, that, that for me was an awesome moment whereby they got it. They got the reason why it's crucial. And they were able to get this presentation ready and did the presentation and everybody was happy. Um, and that's the kind of cultural change that we aim to make. So, Wes, you were part of that uh, rollout and you were in those workshops working team by team. Tell us a bit about that. I mean, we've um, in various sessions at SharePoint Conference and Ignite now said you've got to grit your teeth. You've got to just suck up the fact it needs to be team by team in order to get the, the adoption. Um, how did it work out at LTC? Can I just interrupt you there? Susie, he wasn't just a part of it. He was a crucial part of it. He made it happen. There's no little bit about this uh, between him and our that, that tiny thing. Yeah, that, between him and our, our strong PM, um, Andy. He was yeah. The two of them were absolutely awesome. Um, I I've, I've, I can't up them enough. Um, if I could, you know, write it in the stars, I probably would. But um, now I've tried to do it without people like Wes and Andy. Uh, you know, I can't rate them highly enough. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I joke. I joke. So, so I don't know. I mean, I think the best way to describe it is it's probably like doing kickboxing session after kickboxing session in the early days. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because you start using muscles or the, the organization start using, using its intellectual muscles in ways it hasn't thought about. And it, it for me, was quite interesting because Teams adoption, Teams rollout has become a, a thing, but, but few can describe why they're trying to do it. And I think the, 
biggest plus with, with working with Colin and the team was that the senior leadership, the first thing they sat down and did was got, got, got in a room with us and said, look, we're trying to do these things. We don't care what tech we're using. We're just trying to do these things. And when we, we brought the tech to the problem. And then it was about how do you bring the people to the problem as well? Because a lot of the time we were almost lifting the covers on all of the crazy that had been built up as a muscle memory across all the different operating companies in the joint venture. And Victor, I'm sure you see this day in, day out as well. It's team, Teams rollout has become this sort of skeletons in the closet moment for many organizations where they're, they're suddenly finding actually they don't manage their desktop estate well or everybody's got a bag of broken when they're using a Mac because nobody's ever thought about communicating how to get connected to Wi-Fi correctly or all this kind of stuff. And it, and it, and it just, it just highlights so many small things in one go that every time you got a group of 10 or so people in a room that work together day in, day out, you just, you, you just saw this air of frustration lifting as they suddenly realized, actually this, this tool, this thing that we're going to all jump around, it's not perfect. It's a bit rough around the edges. There are things that they don't like about it. But actually, because it worked consistently for everybody, it, it gave them all a consistent point of pain and that they could they could gravitate around it and, and, and find newer ways of, of getting things done. And, and I think for me, the, <coughs> the, the thing that Teams has unlocked that sometimes missed when people start talking about this adoption as a target is that it is it is a campfire by which a team comes round and they air their dirty laundry about how they do things today and they they work out collectively how to to keep that fire going in terms of getting stuff done and i think you know that kickboxing analogy i know david used it on stage at ignite last year but 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 it but it's true it's it's like you go into every session you don't quite know what you're going to get you know what you want to leave with. You want to leave with a team having all agreed their etiquette, their way of working with the single tool as the kind of focal point. And, and I think it, for me, that was that was something that the organization felt the pain of because everybody went through it. But subsequently now it's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, we just do it that way because it, it's so much better than everything else we ever did. And 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 I find it quite funny because it's kind of like it's like an I told you so moment where the organization is turning to, 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 to those that rolled it out and saying, well, I told you so. This is, you know, why did we ever not do this? You know? <laughs> and it was quite an interesting watershed moment where, where, where teams would go through that onboarding. For two weeks, they would be moaning, they would be complaining, they would be getting ticket after ticket to get laptops sorted out. And after that, you never hear from them again. And you think to yourself, oh, am I not hearing because they're, they're just not getting on with it. And then you look and actually know everything they're now doing is like that. Everything is now in that tool. So Victor, you, you've done, you've done rollouts as well, right? So, so what's your sort of experience in this, in this area? So I think yeah, very similar to what you have, but funny thing there. So for a moment, it sounded like you, you were describing the SharePoint community. <laughs> the products have been fundamentally broken for 15 years. <laughs> but that's how you build a community, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I agree. So when it comes to adoption of teams and, and in general, these kind of evergreen services, uh, I think it's there's no silver bullet how to do it. Uh, each team have different kind of uh, ways of working. Uh, so 
and and they will adapt adapt the the way they work in for, within their team so to say I, I i think it's really hard to push out the training for each and every one or having a, a training site whatever where you go and, and learn this is how you should use the tools etc and these are the set of tools you have and and yes i'm, I'm guilty of creating these kind of when to use what charts and, and what and those kind of things they make sense to get something started but to get that full adoption in the end i think that it has to be organic uh, that's at least how i feel about it and and so we had a, a roundtable discussion with a lot of clients uh, the other week here uh, and and Met them and we've been meeting back and on 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 and off for three four years now and they're sort of the same kind of thing that we've been discussing each and every time and that is user adoption and it's the same companies that have been using Office 365 for that long uh, but it's not about all it's not all about new services coming in. Uh, to such as Microsoft Teams, etc. It's the same kind of services. It is SharePoint again, and the new people, and 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 the new organizations, a new way of working, and and new leadership, etc. So it's a constant change, or you have to have you need to have a constant pace of user adoption, I would say, and, and adapt. And and that's part of the adoption. It's an adaption, I would say, uh, that you need to 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 think about. Yeah. I think this is a really important point because um, Colin and I were at the Office 365 Club, I think, last week. And one of the really interesting things, picking up on something Wes had said, is that all businesses have almost taken on that language you hear from Microsoft of saying, you're talking about their Teams adoption. And you think, why do you care about Teams adoption, you're a business, you do something else. It should be, we're trying to collaborate in order to dot, dot, dot. And it might be improving customer service or producing a million documents. Or, But the point is, there should be a higher business goal. And I think where there is a higher business goal, it's been possible, uh, as we did on the LTC project, to get people working around that campfire uh, and getting work done. Um, but I, I think where we see people talking about Teams training or Teams awareness or Teams communication, as you say, Victor, it goes on and on for years because why would anyone bother taking it up? I mean, it it's almost seems like an yeah, exercise Yeah, and also, so as you mentioned sake. there, so if you take a look at the adoption metrics, what's the point in having 100% Teams adoption within your organization? I don't think that's a good measure uh, if, if you're being successful or not. It, it might be 10%, right? Because that's perfect for your organization and what your needs. And those 10% might may vary over time. So you might work in, in, in teams or that service or other services for a certain amount of time because you're doing that kind of project or you can have that kind of role. Then you move on to something else where you, you, you may not use that service or product as much as you're doing in your current role. So I think... 100% that's an utopia uh, that would never happen and, and there's no benefit of having 100 or having that as a KPI. I disagree with that. I think I think um, talking about Teams adoption for its own sake is pointless. Uh, that's a Microsoft metric, not a, a metric any organization should have. But I do think that if a business sets out to say we want to move conversations into a public place where we can uh, view them years after 
an individual has left or we want to see uh, the versions this document has been through. Um, we don't want to be hunting through people's inboxes for the six versions of the proposal that went out two years later because there's a contract dispute. Um, you know, I actually think in virtually every case there is benefit in, in different parts of the business collaborating out loud in Microsoft Teams. Um, I just don't think banging on about Teams is the way to, to get that value. Um, I, I, I did interrupt you, Paul. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. No, I was just going to go back on the adoption story, and this maybe runs counter to the argument you two just had. But that uh, you know, we've heard people say, "Well, team, they've led teams adoption by using video conferencing or by the uh, chat." And I'm just wondering, Colin, if there's a certain aspect of the application that has resonated with your users. I, I, I know you mentioned the document or the executive leadership team, but they're probably not the people that were most people are listening. But I'm just curious if there's one bit of the technology that might have been easier to adopt and help lead the rest of the rest of the elephant into the room, if you will. Okay. Um, so looking at sort of the features that, that my team use, um, it's mostly the chat. So the Skype for Business, we didn't roll out Skype for Business. We went straight into Teams. So the fact that everybody, that kind of leads people towards things, but also the simplification of the SharePoint interface and allowing people to co-author a document straight away, that they found quite compelling. Um, and the, 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 the sort of the, the, the chat in the Teams, I think people found very interesting. And we've recently had a push to kind of push people away from WhatsApp towards the, uh, the Teams chat. Um, some of that been successful some of that hasn't and I, I keep on trying to push people that way um, the other um, sort of flip side to this is that um, I'm under pressure to report my utilization of all my office 365 services because it's measurable I can't measure whip that is sorry work in progress that is currently across the the real estate across the scheme I can't measure that the the project director can ask you know what percentage of this work is already is done and sometimes it's quite hard to answer but the tool that's been put in to facilitate it he can ask so how many people are using it and that's quite an interesting one because it just means that I'm giving him raw percentages of around 96% people are using our office 365 um, and those that 4% is our meeting room accounts. So we've got pretty good adoption rates and everybody's using it. Um, I just can't tell him that the work that he wants to be done on it is being done. That's that's not my role, I'm afraid. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as, as Susie said, Microsoft bangs on about adoption numbers. I, I think that's what, 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 you know, people are striving for metrics to, to help them and easy to get metrics get quoted because they're easy to get as opposed to something more difficult. But but so I'm let's glad to hear that uh, air our dirty laundry well now. What, what were the hard bits? What were the health yeah. hazards? What would you say to the next company that's about to embark on this kind of a project? So um, I would say you definitely need a strong PM. Um, you need somebody with an IT who can drive it. Um, we had to book somewhere in the region of 100 meetings um, across a three-month period. Trying to get Wes um, and booked for that was interesting as well. But also just trying to get all those meetings booked to get Round about at that point, 350 people in meeting rooms, get them booked, get them in there, 
with a cattle prod where required, um, but also give him the flexibility to escalate where needed to get people in or to just, you know, say, all right, you don't want to be involved, go away. Come back in three, six, nine months when you've decided this is actually what you want to do. And most of the times that did happen. Um, but he that was required um, and it did take quite a lot of effort. Um and that was quite hard. The other side was to get all that time with people because essentially to take everybody out of their day job for around six hours per person, we needed buy-in from multiple levels of leadership. And we got it all the way down from Highways England through the project director, through the senior leadership to say, this is what we need to do. You want to change the culture of these projects. This is what we need to do. We need to train these people, onboard them properly and get them get it working. Train the trainer does not work. It's cheap. It might look easy, but it does not work. You can't train one person in a team and hope that everything else works because that person will just end up doing everything. That's not the way these things should really happen. It sounds like Um, you need to train the trainer in group therapy sessions based on what we're hearing. Um. And, and 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 so if you can get senior leadership on, vo- in, on board and it doesn't look like an IT project, then senior leadership are pushing it forward. They're driving. They ask you difficult questions. They're really mean to you at times. I know they were really mean to Wes and Susie at different points, yeah. but you've got to get through that because you need them. You need them on board because otherwise they're just pulling the rug from under you all the time and they'll pull the key people out and when it comes to collaboration and online collaboration, you need everybody on board all the way up the train and then back down again as the comments come back. Because otherwise, the first person who pulls it out and emails it in his attachment breaks it. Um, and that can take a little while to get back on the on board. I think this is a really important point because, um, you know, when we started the project, it almost felt like we had to resell it again to the leadership because we'd get them in a room uh, and, uh, you know, we'd sort of explain to them about new ways of working and what was going to happen and the immediate, why are we doing this? What's the point of it? Um, but it was the pain well worth going through because they then freed up the time of their reporting lines to get that scheduled in. I think in general in business at the moment, um, and it's been a trend for a few years now there's there's a very consensual climate people don't want to say to others you have to do anything and that makes it very very hard when we're trying to do onboardings for us but also for the project managers on the client side because it takes one team leader to say no no we're not going to do that and that that cohort of people isn't onboarded so it was a tough conversation but the right one and I think it was uh, worth doing and we would do it again but I second your point about the strong project manager I mean uh, this guy Andrew Cameron shout out to you <laughs> um, was uh, was a real uh, rock violer didn't give up just got people scheduled 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 so um, he, he was great where's what are some of your health hazards? I know somebody fell asleep in one of your workshops. Just one? Just, well, that, I think that was to do with the fact that we were doing it in the height of summer with no air conditioning in that particular room. But yeah, sure. I think for me, the, um, the, the warning, the biggest warning I would throw out for our listeners is don't start where it's easy. And what I mean by that is IT are easy. People that have used Teams in their parent company or Teams before are easy because you, you've you got this 
well they're easy in the sense of you you you're rolling out to people that understand the technology they're massively hard in equal measure because of that because they're incredibly opinionated and to show them basic stuff they think they already know is the old dog's new tricks kind of problem so go and find parts of the business that are that are perceived to be difficult because actually what we found in that particular project was those parts of the business that are from from an outsider from an IT point of view looking in look incredibly complicated and they're all kind of scary actually you made a huge difference because you went in there you didn't try and bamboozle them with a thousand features you showed them five key things they left knowing those five key things and they felt really great about it because you weren't getting in the way of a them doing their work b you were unlocking their productivity because you were showing them things that mattered to them how to co-author you know colin talks about the senior leadership going and co-authoring the first session i did there with the senior leadership every single one of them brought a paper notebook they brought their executive assistant with their device and the executive assistant typed all the notes and the next meeting I came along and we did the onboarding session. The third meeting they came along, as Colin says, no exec assistance, no paper. They were all working together on the same files, same same group of people. We did that within a you know weeks elapsed time. It didn't take long to make that change. And they weren't an easy team to look at. They we you know we we rolling out Andrew and I when we did that session we had no idea what they do today day to day we had no idea what some of the technical disciplines did day to day you know consent order creators the um, environmental study teams you know we had no idea of what they did as a discipline in detail. What we did was we asked them questions in a structured fashion that allowed us to light switch and go ooh. They have, it, they have a hard time working together in Excel. Oh, they have a hard time communicating because they're all in 15 different physical locations over the course of a day and just solve those one or two problems. So looking, you know, look, if I was to do it again, I would say, look at the hard teams, go and find teams that you don't know much about. Let them be their own expert. Let them tell you what they're struggling with and, and solve those struggles. Don't try and start in the easy place rolling out in IT, rolling out in finance, rolling out in HR. I mean, it's, it's almost like the same, the same group of individuals in organizations the world over for the last 15 years have had the same investment. You know, the IT team, the support team have always got the newest laptops and the biggest screens because they've got to try everything before everyone else. It's like they, they don't make the world work. They, you know, they, they support. So go out right on the coalface and find out the use cases and the people that, you know, for me, you make a difference to and start there because the, the positive feedback those teams gave to others meant we moved through the other teams quicker. We got we got people knocking on the door and saying, hey, I want to be onboarded because, you know, we've, we're having the same challenge as the team that has sat four desks away from us. You know, and it, it becomes a snowball rather than that whole thing of ivory towers and everybody going, OK, this this is an IT led project. It's like, yeah, it can be IT led, but getting out into the business into one or two key pockets can really unlock your velocity. Beautiful. Right. Results. Speaking of adoption metrics, how do you look? It was two years ago. Um, so our Microsoft 365 adoption fees are around sort of the 96, 97%. Um, 
So that's around sort of 100% when you include the the, the other accounts. Um, the team's utilization is around, um, I think it's around 85% on a daily basis at this point in time. So we're doing pretty good. Um, bearing in mind, some of those people are people who look after bats and go counting bats once every Friday on the sort of the third Friday of the month. Um, so some of them don't log on every day. Um, and we do have people who are part-time on the project as well. Um, we do also have quite a fair churn on this project. So we, we, we churn about 5% a month, which is about 30 levers and joiners every, every month. Um, and those people are onboarded and trained as they get onboarded. Um, as part of their onboarding process, they go through two teams training sessions and then they're expected to sort of pick up the rest from their team and then as new teams are created we run um, onboarding sessions akin to what uh, Wes has described um, we lock them in a room and, and, and don't let them out until they accept that Teams is the answer, it doesn't matter what the question is <laughs> <laughs> well, that is really uh, just a fantastic story and a fantastic result. Um, let's close out today by talking about some of the aftercare because, you know, you went live in August, uh, sorry, autumn 2017. You went live on SharePoint Classic. You're now on SharePoint Modern. How have you managed the various transitions that, that Microsoft have thrown at you and not to mention your own internal transitions I think you've had at least three CIOs in that period five I'm afraid um, a couple of temporary ones um, so during that time so when I think back originally when we spoke to you in the summer of 17 we started the rollout and we started to look at things um, we put together our tenancy sort of late in 17 um, I single handedly rolled out email to 300 people across uh, December and January of 17 and 18 um, ended up quite ill um, that then um, takes us through into the rollout of teams that was sort of quarter one quarter two that took about three months um, as I say the intranet the work hub they were released on classic we experimented with a few little bits around the bot framework around that and since then we've made the transition to the bot the new bot frameworks as each time they've come through Thank you, uh, Wes, and 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 you guys. You've done awesome work Paul. with that, You're and then also transitioning the our pages. <laughs> Paul, oh my bad, sorry. No worries. Paul, Wes has been taking credit for all your work all this time. Then that's okay. He can get credit for the bugs too. <laughs> <laughs> what bugs? And then also looking at. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't found any of those yet. Um, and then looking at also so the, the, the internet and the web pages and looking at how we transition that and how we change the culture of news. Because also trying to trying to get people in an organization whereby we're not part of the desktop. We don't control the desktop. So everybody turns up with a laptop that doesn't belong to Lower Thames Crossing. It belongs to a parent company. So driving internet usage and to get people involved in, because that's where all our processes are, all our policies and all of our news and how we want people to work and our ways of working and, and that whole culture that does exist outside of the office that exists in our, in our LTC hub and our 
onboarding hub and, and our bots. So bringing that all together and taking us on the transition from, from classic to modern, um, that's allowed us to reinvent a couple of times and also develop how we want the project to handle news. We want it to go out by email in a certain way to certain users. We want to get to go out by a Teams. We make great use of live events. So we have at least a one weekly live event, sometimes two, covering start the week to our monthly broadcasts. They all go on stream, go on our intranet. We push out all the content we can via our LTC hub. Um, and that gives it quite a compelling place to go, both for people who don't know LTC and also people who've been here a long time. And that works uh, quite effectively to keep us um, going that way. Um, fundamentally um, it has been a bit of effort trying to organize that but mostly yourselves you've taken care of our aftercare and kept us going um, and made us keep up to date and that is one of the reasons why um, we, we we partner with you um, on quite a deep level is to, to keep things moving forward because we need to know what Microsoft are doing we can't waste any effort we have a small small team we don't want to waste any time trying to put together something that you turn around and tell me oh well microsoft are releasing that next month if you tell us that six months beforehand don't do that then we get a good idea of where microsoft are going what not to do what to do how we can best add value because ultimately i don't want to get involved in how a page renders i want to know what i can do to make my make the team here work better and collaborate better I think that's a really important point. And um, Victor, I'd love your opinion on how this is shaping up at, at Avenard as well, because certainly, yes, fine, we provide products, we've got services. But I think um, where nobody really talks about this at the outset of a project or, or an, an engagement, certainly uh, when you sort of uh, get beyond the project the thing people say is you know god the thing I really value is that you tell me what's going to happen before it happens so I can plan and prepare for it and we hear that consistently um, Victor do you hear the same thing and if so should we all suddenly be selling on the basis of the aftercare <laughs> <laughs> yes I would say that that is a big thing and, and that's also uh, I, I hate to bring up the word sort of digital and that kind of thing, but that's a way, that's a part of that when we be coming from the traditional way of doing IT, where we had like, yeah, a three-year lifespan on everything in, in the way we move things into uh, projects that are more agile, they're smaller, they're shorter, uh, they're more intense, but also what we deliver, it has an aftercare. We talked about that you have to live with your services for many years going forward. And that's a big part of our value proposition as well is what we call the managed services and how do we actually not not only deliver the project but also how do we transition that into an operational model and, and even blend these together and we i think many of our most successful projects are actually where we blend the operations and the developers together and and these teams are also uh, or team members are actually swapping back and forth between those uh, which also provides a good a good story for both the, the, the people working in these kind of projects and go and moving forward. But but I think that's also you have a long term vision of what you want to achieve and and it is not a project that would be delivered on, on day C over there. It's something that you would keep on maintaining and that doesn't matter if you're on building out on Office 365 or if you're building some custom and hosting it in Azure or whatever. Uh, that's the way that pro IT projects will go go on from now on, I would say. It's an, an, an incremental upgrade all the time. And, and that's why we, we think the managed service is both on a technical side, but also on the advisory side. And I think that's super important. I think that, uh, I know you, you guys are doing that as well. So 
talking to our clients and having them prepared of what the change is coming in Office 365. Unfortunately, Microsoft is, yeah, they essentially, it's a fire hose of new features coming out, but they are sometimes not that good in communicating to the client and how that will affect their tenants. Uh, so one day a new feature lights up. So that's also what we're helping them with. Not So not just the, the stuff you're building, but also the services that they acquire from Microsoft, helping them and putting those changes into their context, so to say. In a, Thank in, you. A, in a world where change is constant mm. and that's quite difficult for us to handle, um, any business I think is struggling with it. But construction, construction doesn't like change. <laughs> construction hates change. The way we've laid roads hasn't really changed in quite a while. Um, and how is England is kind of wising up to some of those things, um, including you know what's coming with autonomous vehicles and how they look at the future. Um, but the the change and the pace of change in Microsoft 365 Dynamics, the the whole suite of things is really quite intense. And um, without the support of good partners to help us navigate that, um, we don't have big IT teams. Um, we're talking about an IT team of around five people, um, serving around 700 people. So when that maintaining across all the services that you normally find in a small in a quite a large business, that's a very small IT team. So for us, we can't manage that one wide perspective. That's really hard. That's where we need to look to people uh, like yourselves, who are experts in your fields, who can tell us, this is what, pay attention to this, just ignore that. Um, and that's incredibly useful for us. Colin, um, we love the LTC story, not just because it's ours, but because it really is a good example of um, how to uh, bite the bullet, do some of the less not, I wouldn't say less pleasant, but um, take the hard steps uh, and uh, get the success that you want, not just initially, but on, on an ongoing basis. So thank you for sharing this week. And thank you for I shall me. be back with my esteemed panel in a few weeks' time, uh, where we're going to turn our attention to back to uh, the Microsoft Teams service. So see you all then. The New Habits Podcast is produced by Add-in365. Thank you to Victor Villain for participating. Please leave a review in iTunes along with a five-star rating. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening.